Second part of session 74. Let's finish talking about the disciplines of the personality and mantras. Let's discipline ourselves. In the first part of session 74, we got into the disciplines of the personality, which is one of my favorite topics because it's one of those things that lead you to what I consider to be the most important thing in my life, which is knowing yourself as the creator. Now, um, caveat today is that I can only give you my experience as how I have explored these disciplines of the personality, how I live them, how I believe in them, or actually know them. I don't believe in them. I just know them to be true. What is, what reality is, you see. So uh, people may interpret this in different ways. And I guess I know that this is fine because we're all supposed to do this in our own way. But one thing remains that is true and is what Ra is saying when they talk about the disciplines of the personality. Um, I don't think I have much to introduce except for saying that I will read question nine, which is the last question that I covered last time, only to get into the context of the discipline of the personality. There's actually a couple of questions that start um, surrounding or circling this um, this conversation and it starts from sessions uh, from question seven but I won't read all of that um, uh, Don was getting into the conversation of how the disciplines of the personality actually feed the indigo ray so the conversation of the disciplines of the personality were more towards the indigo ray and how it activated it and there was a misconception from Don thinking that in working with the indigo ray, one may unblock the lower energy center. So all of that is in the first part of this uh, session, which you can always go look in the playlist <laughs> if you haven't. Uh, but yeah, let's get into a recap on question nine before we begin with the new questions. So here Don said, let me see if I have a wrong opinion here of the effect of disciplines of the personality. I am assuming that this that a discipline of the personality to, shall we say, have a balanced attitude toward a single fellow entity would properly clear and balance to some extent the orange ray energy center. Is this correct? Ross says, we cannot say that you speak incorrectly, but merely less than completely. The disciplined personality, when faced with another self, has all centers balance according to its unique balance. Thusly, the other self looks in a mirror seeing itself. So it's a, it's a great context um, for what the disciplined personality does. You see, um, I can play with the words here and I will, but first getting out of the way, which I covered already in the last video, that is that Don kind of use it incompletely saying that this, the disciplines of the personality, he, he correctly reflected what the orange ray would do, right? If our, 
Our beingness is not the orange ray. It's just one of the ways in which we interact with the environment. And that would be with another self, right? So in facing another self, the disciplined personality would actually do that. You know, it would um, be completely balanced. What do you say? Uh, balanced attitude towards a single fellow entity. Yes, that is correct. But it's not only there. It would be uh, everything. So uh, Ra says that the, the disciplined personality would face with another self has all centers balanced according to its unique balance, which is a very um, important phrasing um, or note, which is according to their unique balance. Not all disciplined personalities look the same because the disciplined personality is let me give a little definition then, which is not final. I may change this over time. People may have other uh, definitions, but um, just to put it into context. You see, we believe in a persona. This is the ego or the identity, the false identity, the separate self. And we call that personality, right? This is my personality. I am this personality, which is wrong. You are not the, the personality. You are everything. You see, but when we when we get, um, let's say, compressed into the personality of what's happening around me, my thoughts and everything, then you are limited. But when you go inside and you realize, oh, I'm not that, you know, I'm actually not that, I can prove it, then whatever comes out, which is without premeditation, without... Um, uh, a, a um, contrived thought. There is no um, fabrication of my personality. I simply am. The spontaneity that has been always me, that is a personality. So the disciplined personality is that which doesn't take merit for what's happening. You see, um, that recognition that you are what you are and if you put a name to it you're limiting yourself you know you're buying into identities which we're flooding right now in this 2023 already yay happy new year <laughs> if i haven't said so already um so yeah we're um we're paying attention to the apparent identity and not to the true identity right so to me that's the disciplined personality that which recognizes that you are everything. What's happening, yes. What you used to call yourself, you are that too. Along with everything else. And it's just something much more uh, universal, right? More universal identity. That's you. That's who you truly are. And you can prove this, right? All right. So that puts the discipline of personality into context. We can get now into the new material that I have, which is question 10. And here Don says, now the disciplines of the personality I see as the paramount work of any who have become consciously aware of the process of evolution. Am I correct on that statement? Ra says quite. Then Don says, now what I'm trying to get at is how these disciplines affect the energy centers and the power shall I say, of the white magician. Could you, will you tell me how that works? 
And here's the, the big answer. Ra says, the heart of the discipline of the personality is threefold. One, know yourself. Two, accept yourself. Three, become the creator. The third step is that step which, when accomplished, renders one the most humble servant of all, transparent in personality and completely able to know and accept other selves. Okay, so. As Don said, yes, first you become aware of the process of evolution, right? That's what um, generates the interest on the discipline of the personality, right? The paramount work of any who have become consciously aware of the process of evolution actually is even better phrased. The disciplines of the personality is the focus of anybody who has become aware of the process of evolution. So what is evolution? Let's put that into context first. Evolution can be summarized and I can say this with full certainty. I don't think anybody would disagree with this in any, um, no matter what their interest is, what their uh, field of work is in terms of spirituality and metaphysics and so on. Everybody can agree that evolution is the return to the self. Okay. No matter how you see it, you can see it metaphysically in densities of consciousness. You can see it as initiation on the human being, returning to the self. This is evolution. And it happens in the microcosm and in the macrocosm, obviously, because it's all holographic. So if the process of evolution is the return of the self, which is separated for the purpose of experiences and then return collecting experiences in the process that's the whole purpose it doesn't it didn't fragment itself for the purpose of uh, or not even a purpose by accident it didn't happen by accident it happened through free will i fragment myself through free will to experience now if this sounds foreign to you realize that you're doing this in your imagination when you have fantasies and you create scenarios and people and characters or whatever it is that your imagination goes into, you, the one self, is fragmenting itself into pieces, right? I mean, you're not hurt, you're not broken, you're not anything. So if you follow this language into the fragmentation of imagination, of consciousness, um, incurring into this separation for experience, then you may see that the process is for that, for experience. Now, you can collapse all this imagination when somebody snaps at you and you say, oh yeah, you know, it was caught in my imagination. All of that collapsed. You went to the singularity <laughs> or everything there just went to singularity and you can open it up again and you do it again and again and again. And so this is the same process. It's evolution, it's for for that, right? It's all about experience. That's why there is no purpose. And a lot of people get this wrong uh, because we're still thinking with, from the ego, thinking that if there is no purpose, then, oh my God, you know, what, what am I to do? And so on. So that is the process of evolution, right? Now, 
when you become aware of the process of evolution, the disciplines of the personality are of paramount work. That is correct. That's what Ross says. You're quite correct. They just said quite, but you can extrapolate there. Now, with that in mind, let's see what the disciplines of the personality is about. Ah, what I'm trying to get at is how these disciplines affect the energy centers and the power of the white magician. Um, I, not that I don't like, but it's not my cup of tea, what Don was getting into, energy centers, white magician, work in consciousness, and all of this, for reasons that I will explain later. Uh, but, um, I mean, just luckily for us, Ra did explain the following. The heart of the discipline of the personality is threefold, meaning three things happen. One, know yourself. Two, accept yourself. Three, become the creator. Here's where we can play with this, okay? There is no one way to see it. This is how it is. Um, one thing I can, I can say that is universal is that the self that is being spoken here is not the, as I explained, the limited personality, which is the separate self, right? So we can agree that Ra is not saying, know your separate self, and that we know already. <laughs> we believe in it. It's a belief, actually. It's not even an it, it's a belief. Uh, the separate self is a belief. The ego is a belief system. So we can agree that Ra is saying, know yourself as the self, the one self that exists, okay? Um, okay, so how do I know that? Well, we can debate that. Two, you need to accept yourself. Once you know who you are, you need to accept that, right? And then three, you become the creator, naturally. I'll tell you why and how. I'll explain this in two ways, which um, does make sense, and it's an interpretation that I've heard, is um, knowing is of the heart you know from the heart right this is not the density of understanding of knowing the density of understanding and knowing is fourth density the heart but we have our heart right it's not like we don't have a heart so we know ourselves through the heart we accept ourselves through wisdom so we we can say that knowing is loving and accepting is wisdom and three is becoming the creator so contact with intelligent infinity, indigo uh, work, or the adept. Everything makes sense here when we talk about it this way. Know, accept, become the creator. Indigo ray is the analog of intelligent infinity in the creation right, of seven chakra, which is the dissolution of the self. The self can only know itself through the uh, inpouring of indigo ray, if you want to use this language. So, one, you know yourself. Now, how do I play with this? What do I play with when I, it's not even play, but you know what I mean? It's just, yeah, the game that, that we play here of remembering who we are. I use the direct path, which is, again, we can use anything. It's just that for my 
own experience, the direct path is the only thing that is just succinct and direct to the point. That's what's supposed to be. So in the direct path, the first thing we do is we recognize who we are by methods of acknowledging that which we are not. I mean, this is the apophatic system or the neti neti process. We go back into ourselves by saying, I am not this, I am not that. Generally is I am not the body and I am not the mind. Now, this is not something that you simply recite. It's an investigation in the direct path. Perhaps its difficulty lies in the foundation that it is pure and um, honest investigation of ourselves. And so we investigate, am I the body? We look at the proof, at the evidence that we have that we are the body, and we say, no, I'm not. And then I'm saying, well, I am the mind. Am I the mind? And we investigate that, and we know we're not. What we're left with, which is an unexplainable feeling, which is the self, that I am, right? At least that I know for certainty that I cannot say that I'm not because it's always present. And again, I cannot explain it. Nobody can. It's not possible. Yet, it is an experience. It is a real experience. This is the first knowing yourself, right? In the direct path for me. Okay, I merge law of one and non-duality in the direct path for this. That's just how I do it. Second step of the discipline of the personality is to accept yourself. This is the, the step in which you, in the direct path, which takes, it's a direct path on the first step. <laughs> in fact, it's the whole system that you keep repeating. Um, because now the accepting yourself becomes the part where you simply um, live through this point, live through this um, reality of who you are. This is the acceptance that everything else that you believe to be is part of this. And I can't, I can't and I won't explain here because it's a long discussion on how this is what we call the collapse of duality and so on in the direct path, my method. Um, and then three, become the creator. Because once you stop the belief of the ego and you stand in the presence of your own being, you are that creator. You see, this is not something that is um, uh, reserved for a few mystics and... No, this is here and now. And this is why modern mystics have been talking about this without all the uh, mythology surrounding and all the paraphernalia and the rest of the... Uh, the bombastic uh, practices and all of this, which do have their merits. They all have their merit, but society is not, at least modern society, is not prepared for that. We can go into a progressive path, which is the alternative of the direct path, and we can go to the progressive path and go to a temple and so on, but for modern society, this is not feasible. Um, 
and I've talked about New Age, how New Age is just the recognition of that, um, but without coherence. And that's what New Age really um, is destined to be. It's not going to be and at all. It's just, it's um, really like, a, what's the, the phrase? Uh, like a mishmash, uh, hodgepodge. Is that what it is? I forget the phrases in English, but it's a it's a mixture of of everything, you know. And it's nothing in particular. New Age is a jack of all trades, master of none. You see, and so um, for anybody who is interested in this, you have to select something. You have to go through a disciplined path, whatever that may be. Progressive, direct. Uh, we, um, if we want to see the fruits of becoming the creator, we have to pick something. So to finish up this part, Ra says, the third step is that step which, when accomplished, renders one the most humble servant of all, transparent in personality and completely able to know and accept other selves. I could just go on for a while on this because this is directly related to what I live to what I teach to what I um, this <laughs> this what you're seeing here right now is that um, in it's that desire that passion that I have to want to communicate this to others and tell them this is who you are or what you are uh, there are no problems <laughs> the problems are a belief also they're a belief of a belief which is the ego so, um, again, I could go on with this paragraph when they say that the third step, when accomplished, renders one the most humble. Let me say something else too that I think is important. It's not like you achieve the third step as you want again when you get a medal and you become that. We're so accomplished that in human mind and human mentality that we we think, hmm. So I'm in the step of knowing myself. When will I get to accept myself? This is not like that. This is a, a growing, you can see it as a beam of light, like a sort of supernova that happens within yourself. Once you recognize who you are, boom, that's the supernova. Now the speed at which that expands depends on how much attention you keep giving to that knowing of yourself, right? Know thyself is the first step and the eternal step to completely um, abide into that awareness. You see, so the third step, again, maybe the um, the event horizon, if you will, of this black hole that was generated by the supernova. Yes, and this black hole will expand as you give attention to it. The singularity, the creator will expand. So it's not a step that is achieved, right? Uh, this is one little disagreement that I have with Ra here because it's not something that you accomplish and it's not a disagreement. I know what they mean. It's just that when you become aware of this, it just shines through you, right? And I think that's the, the most important part that you, you realize that this is not something that is achieved and all of a sudden I'm transformed, you know, like a big flash. <laughs> it doesn't happen that way although the flash does happen inside and it just continues to grow. And what pushes away is the ego, the separation. There is no more separation. But you see, even that sounds very absolutist. 
is not that there is no more separation. In our experience, at least from my point of view, it has been a growing uh, desensitization of separation. I can no longer see separation as I used to, yet I do perceive certain uh, shades of separation, which go back through this same furnace of know, accept, and become the creator. But again, all of this is my teachings. I will, of course, put the shameless plug that my direct path course is available in the description if you want to take a look at it, because that's the only thing I can offer you. But let's keep reading to see what Ra says. Ra finishes and says, in relation to the pursuit of the magical working, the continuing discipline of the personality involves the adept in knowing itself, accepting itself, and thus clearing the path towards the great indigo gateway to the creator. To become the creator is to become all that there is. There is then no personality in the sense with which the adept begins its learned teaching. As the consciousness of the indigo ray becomes more crystalline, more work may be done, more may be expressed from intelligent infinity. I honestly cannot, <laughs> I just can't spend an hour here. I am, I feel apologetic for not being able to go, but I have the rest of the session that I want to cover. Um, but this is it, this question 11, session 74, mark it. Just like I say, mark question 33 in session 57. I think these are, you know, we talked about cattle mutilation, pyramids, and uh, metal bending, all of that stuff compared to this. This is the valuable stuff to me. And some people may find like, meh, boring, metal bending, cool. That's okay. I love it. <laughs> I love people like that. UFOs, that's the real deal, man. The elite, that's, the real, that's fine. That's your passion. That's your excitement. That's what turns you on. Beautiful. This is what turns me on. You see, it, it really does. <laughs> it really, really does. In the basic sense of the word, it turns me on. This is, yes. All right. Magical working, which is something that I'm, I'm not interested in the way of the white magician that Don is talking about, uh, about it. I'm more interested in the definition that Ra and Don agree with in terms of the magical working is the work in consciousness that can be done, okay? In relation to the pursuit of the magical working, the continuing discipline of the personality, which I just described, involves the adept in knowing itself, accepting itself, right? These two things, the two steps that I gave. First, who are you? How can you know yourself if you, don't, if you don't ask this question? Who am I? See? Not Yamar. Who am I? That's the question. And so you get into uh, Atma Vichara, which is self-investigation. Self-investigation reveals who you are. Then you accept that. This is the process. When I teach this in the direct path, um, not only in my course, but with people that I, I do this work, that's what we do. And when you look at the people who actually I, I appreciate the most, which are Rupert Spira 
and Francis Lucille, um, his teacher. That's in essence, Francis doesn't do this as much as Rupert, but you can see Rupert when he does it, he's always going to, uh, he's guiding you there. Okay, those are thoughts. Now, what is the nature of those thoughts? And you go back to it. Rupert is a master in playing with know yourself and accept yourself. You see, what it's revealed, and he doesn't say it because people need to uh, realize it themselves, is that they're becoming the creator through this. Now, I have the language here in the law of one, and you have the receptivity for this to know it without getting lost into the magical aspect of it or the fantastic aspect of it, but the reality of it is that this is the process. Now I'll repeat, the continuing discipline of the personality involves the adept in knowing itself, accepting itself. Okay, for what purpose? Thus clearing the path toward the indigo, the great indigo gateway to the creator. Now you see, this particular discipline of the personality is not something that belongs to indigo ray. This doesn't belong to the heart chakra. This doesn't belong to anything. This belongs to the self. And the self is everything that it is. Now, because in, if you read what Ra says, through knowing yourself and accepting yourself, you clear the path towards the great indigo gateway to the creator. So what is the, the path? The energy centers, you see? So if the energy centers get clear, all energy is available to the indigo ray. That's why we associate the indigo ray with the adept's work, because the adept is wanting to know itself as the creator. You see, there's so much I can keep talking about this. Oh my God. The next part, they say to become the creator is to become all that there is. <laughs> yes, because there is no longer you in the middle. There is only this. All that there is is not that you're going to become the universe and you're going to experience Andromeda and Pleiades and so on. <laughs> That's a, um, it's a very childish and beautiful way to see it, poetic, but it's not that. From the vantage point, and it is a vantage point that you are here, who you truly are, this beautiful expression of the creator, then you become all that there is from your nails all the way to the sun and anything that appears in your field of consciousness. I won't say your field of vision. That's included in your field of consciousness. Everything that you are, that's what you become. To become that, you need to uh, remove the belief of the separate self. I am this little being, human, bodily, mindful person. No, you're not that but you have to go there first. There is then no personality in the sense, I just said this, so I won't. <laughs> oh my God, I love this. There is then no personality in the sense with which the adept begins its learned teaching. You first begin thinking, I am the separate self. There is no separate self anymore. <laughs> As the consciousness of the indigo ray becomes more crystalline, more work may be done. Right. Uh, more may be expressed from intelligent infinity. That's referring to magic already. Now, what is magic? Healing is magic. Uh, 
teaching is magic. The expression of the one creator is magic. All of this, because you are creating changes in consciousness, right? When you heal, you create changes in consciousness, whether that be in yourself or in other people. When you teach, it's a teach-learning experience. This, what I'm doing, which is a completely rudimentary way of teaching through camera, but hey, this, <laughs> it's a new way for the creator experiencing itself. That's what I'm doing. I'm teaching my own experience. I'm not teaching something that I took out of you know, the, the, the tables of Moses and so on. <laughs> I am teaching my own experience. And in expressing that, it's um, it, this, this is intelligent infinity being channeled, if you will. Everything, you know, that we do from this point of passionate being. Oh, I can talk about this for a long time. We all have this passion. We just have it repressed and so on. But I need to move on. <laughs> um, yes. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you listen to all of this, I appreciate it. But I have to move on to question 12. So, what we have is Don saying, you stated that a working of service to others has the potential of alerting a great mass of light strength. Could you describe just exactly how this works and what the uses of this would be? Ra says, there are sound vibratory complexes which act much like the dialing of your telephone when they are appropriately vibrated with accompanying will and concentration. This is as though many upon your metaphysical or inner planes received a telephone call. This call they answer by their attention to your working. Well, we're talking about, um, this is the mantra part, right? Mantras, something you repeat and they, they elicit something. Potential of alerting. Working of service to others has the potential of alerting a great mass of life strength. Okay. What uses this can have? I don't see how Ra made the parallel here. You stated that a working of service to others has the potential of alerting a great mass of Lycern. So this is coming from the discussion previously uh, when when Ra was explaining. So yeah, this goes back to session 67 or so when they started talking about the fifth density negative entity that was causing all this trouble. And so that's because they are alerting a lot of light mass when they're doing this work. I explained all that already. And so Don wants to know why exactly and how that works, right? Could you describe just exactly how this works and what uses of this would be? So Ra says there are sound vibratory complexes which act much like the dialing of your telephone. So not only mantras, which is what we can... Um, yeah, I, I believe... Because you see, yes, there is, in this case, in the raw contact, Don, Carla, and Jim, they were receiving these sound vibratory complexes, which were the channel material. That alerts a lot of attention, right? So that attracts attention. So I think there's a parallel there. I would say, 
right? When they are appropriately vibrated with accompanying will and concentration, you can see it as imagine when somebody's talking and they attract people, right? It's because what their their vibration is attracting that attention. That's why you see that um, depending on who is talking, they will alert. Uh, for example, Jesus didn't alert many people <laughs> because a lot of people weren't interested in the vibration of what he was talking about. So, you know, does this have... Yes, it does reflect the mentality of what's around. But let me not go there. It's all about what is being attracted. And in this case, if you're doing service to others, you will attract um, these forces. That would be the influence of positive or negative. But you always have to attract the opposite too. Uh, so it's, it's very complex and I don't think I want to go into all of that. But the whole thing is that whatever you, um, you produce, you vibrate, you um, exude, if you will, you're going to attract that. So yes, your mind is what you need to cultivate. What are you attracting with your mind? Your mind is the ultimate mantra. How about that? Don says in question 13, there are many of these, speaking of the, the words. The ones most obvious in our society are those used in the church rather than those used in the magical adept. What is the difference in the effect of those used, say, in the church, in our various churches, and those specifically magical incantations used by the adept? Well, Ra says, if all in your churches were adepts consciously full of will and seeking or of seeking, of concentration, of conscious knowledge, of the calling, there would be no difference. The efficacy of the calling is a function of the magical qualities of those who call. That is, their desire to seek the altered state of consciousness desired. So, Yes, magical qualities of those who call. That's what it is. No matter which mantra or incantation you recite, if you don't have that will and intention or have no idea why you're doing it for, then yeah, there won't be much happening. You see? So to me, this is this points to... Um, what is the purest call you can have, right? And I'll talk about that in a bit. But let's just entertain the idea that there, there really is, okay? And we're going to get into that. But there really is a power into what you're, you are exuding, like I said, muttering, uh, articulating, and speaking about. Not only, I mean, speech is not just reserved to the vocal cords. It's speech, mental speech is probably the most important. I mean, verbal speech is a consequence of your mind. So you might as well go to the source of your speech and pay attention to that. Why is it that you want to speak that way? And why is it that you want to uh, imprint that in yourself and other people? So a lot of this goes into the Eightfold Path of the, the Noble Path, uh, the Four Noble Truth of Buddhism, right? So, the efficacy of the calling is a function of the magical qualities of those who call. And he says, of course, or they say, if in your churches they were all um, 
consciously full of will, seeking or concentrate of conscious of concentration, conscious knowledge, there would be no difference. No difference, you see, because uh, this is comparing, just to put into context. Uh, Don was asking those who sing in church, right, and those, except in Carla, I'm sure, because Carla was <laughs> completely devoted to the Creator. But the you know the majority of people who sing in church and so on, uh, they just do it because they think it's something that they don't even know. They, they're not happy. You know who is really happy? If you go to black churches, I mean, I've been there, and it's such a difference. <laughs> uh, my Christian friend invited me to this black church. My God, that is just a celebration. They might might not even know why, but they're going with it. You know, they're just singing and you know screaming and you know it's just. Uh, like Alan Watts used to say, it's just nonsense that's being muttered by the priest and it's, everybody's going along with it. But, you know, when they come out, me coming out of church was always like, oh, God, oh. It was, <laughs> it was just like a long face, you know, everybody's coming out or maybe, you know, I, I don't know, it was just weird. When I came out of this church, everybody was happy, you know, everybody was like, all right, let's go eat. You know, we have this and we have that and we had... people got enlightened you know, by this. So uh, there's a difference. There's a difference in chanting just for chanting and the other one for, you know, just feeling this joy out of nowhere. <laughs> there's beauty in there. So um, what's my point? That Don was saying, you know, what, what would be the difference? You know, with the in, the chanting of the adept who knows what he's doing and the church. And Ra says, well, if they were all full of will, seeking, concentration and conscious knowledge, then there would be no difference, but they aren't. The efficacy of the calling is a function of the magical qualities of those who call. What are your magical qualities? How much do you are in love? How much do you actually want to worship the Creator? See, that's a that's a dirty word right now. Worship. Oh, you shouldn't worship anybody. How about worshiping that which contains the whole universe? Worshiping the creation itself. That's what we call uh, loving nature, you see? That sounds a bit better, right? Worshipping sounds a little tainted. But yeah, loving everything. How about that? Can you do that? Oh no, I have reasons not to love everything. Well, work with that. <laughs> because that's exactly what's causing your uh, your problems. You cannot love everything. But I digress. Let's move on. Question 14, Don says, in selecting a protective ritual, we finally agreed upon the banishing ritual for of the lesser pentagram. I assume that these sound vibratory complexes are the type you speak for the alerting of those on the inner planes. Is this correct? Ra says, this is correct. Don says, if we had constructed a ritual of our own with words used for the first time in the sequence of protection, what would have been the relative merit of this with respect to the ritual that we chose. Ra says, it would be less. In constructing, ritual, it, in constructing ritual, it is well to study the body of written work which is available for names of positive or service to others. Power are available. That sounded weird. Because I read it weird, not because it sounds weird. So first, um, Don wants to know if um, the banishing ritual was appropriate, right? Uh, alerting, appropriate in alerting those of the inner planes. First of all, the banishing ritual. I I looked it up once because I was interested when I was reading the Law of One. 
and is this uh, ritual where you invoke the archangels and I do remember because I they got stuck in me and I I love I just love the cardinal points of uh, did I forget <laughs> I forgot all right uh, I think it's Raphael Gabriel Michael Uriel or in Spanish I say Rafael Gabriel Miguel Uriel right those are the four uh, knots I guess if you can call it that in which is directed and then there are other things that I forgot <laughs> the rest I forgot you have to do some uh, movements and all of this stuff you already know that I'm not into rituals I'm not into channeling I'm not into any of that believe it or not shocking yes here I am talking about channel material I'm not into channeling uh, I'm just a scientist if you will I think that's what best describes me I'm, a I'm an investigator a researcher of reality and I just so happened to find this material channel or not some people say it's not channel it's just they wrote it it's all a scam it's all a hoax well fantastic look at the material <laughs> it's fantastic it's, I love it and again it's coming from somebody who's never channeled probably never will not interested in channeling circles or anything of like that I love this material it's beautiful so I assume that these sound vibratory complex are the type of uh, you speak in alerting mass yes so Ross is correct and Don compares it to all right what if I had invented you know something what's the relative merit and Ra said that it would be less that makes sense because if I just start muttering I don't know John happiness uh, parachute and earth these I invoke for whatever you know I could they don't seem to have much power why because our collective consciousness doesn't know it as <laughs> simple as that I just made it up so it's the first time the whole universe has heard that specific ritual I said which what was it John whatever it was. <laughs> you see they it's nonsense which again it doesn't mean that it can't if I make it powerful enough then yes it will so you create your own rituals but by the collective consciousness we have a unconscious the collective unconscious as Jung called it so in constructing ritual it is well to study the body of written work which is available for names of positive or service to others power are available yeah it just reads weird but what Ra is saying is like look up whatever you know you're who is Michael who's Uriel who's Raphael Gabriel if you're talking about them what do they mean and you look them up oh it's all archangels they're all okay so fine I can use them they have a lot of power in the collective unconscious that's basically how I see it um, forgive me for being very limited here but that's um, that's territory that I can go into and I'm a neophyte but it's so far in my coherent model of reality that's how it sounds there are things that are very powerful just like the mantras and we'll talk about that in a bit uh, but yes that's uh, that's how it works to me question 16 or 16 I will make an analogy to the loudness of ringing of the telephone in using the ritual as the efficiency of the practitioners using the ritual now I see several things affecting the efficiency of the ritual first the desire of the practitioners to serve their ability to invoke the magical personality their ability to visualize while performing the ritual and let me ask you 
as to the relative importance of those items and how each may be intensified. So Don is, as a researcher himself, want to know the importance of all of these items in terms of constructing and evoking the ritual. Ross says, this query borders upon over-specificity. It is most important for the adept to feel its own growth as teach-learner. We may only say that you correctly surmise the paramount import of the magical personality. This is a study in itself. With the appropriate emotional will, polarity and purity, work may be done with or without proper sound vibration complexes. However, there is no need for the blunt instrument when the scalpel is available. Well, how do I interpret all of this? I love when Ra doesn't give a um, direct answer, but they make you think. Ah, that's what I love the most. They do make you think. See, so Don, again, is very, is being very systematic and is saying, I see several things affecting the efficiency of the ritual, like it's a motor or engine. That's how Don used to think. And thanks to Don is that we have the systematic, uh, well, Ra also, that <laughs> there's a compatibility there, but they both made a synergy there, right? In any case, the desire of the practitioners uh, to serve, the ability to invoke the magical personality, and the ability to visualize while performing the ritual. Three things. The desire, very important, right? Um, I, I don't say that one is more important than the other, but you can ascribe whatever importance you, you desire to it. But yes, the, the desire of the practitioners to serve, obviously, paramount importance. Ability to invoke the magical personality is something that works over time. How you invoke your higher self. That's what the magical personality is, by the way. Is the um, the higher self. And I can talk about that, but I don't want to talk about it. Their ability to invoke the magical personality, I just said. Their, their ability to visualize the performing while performing the ritual. That's another skill of visualizing. You know, it's mindfulness, if you want to call it that. So instead of answering that, Ra says that the question borders upon over-specificity, too much, too specific. It is most important for the adept to feel its own growth as teach-learner. You have to, at some point, stop believing in rituals, mantras, entities, calling, channelings, uh, downloads, and so on, as if it's an external thing you grow from the inside out and at some point you have to stop relying on the external sources. So it is most important for the adept to feel its own growth as teach learner. You are the ultimate master. You have to become that. Otherwise you're still kind of stuck still in the external sources. I'll give you an example of this. You have been saturated in the past by so much information, too many books, documentaries, videos like this, and so on. All of this saturated you. What is that? Your natural mechanism of going back to yourself and saying, enough, ugh, cloying already, too much love and light. <laughs> I gotta go back to me. And you go there and everything gets synthesized and you go back out. You see what I mean? So you're becoming that master. The more and more you become that, the less you need external sources. 
because all you're seeking is to be harmonious in whatever it is. And that's why the most prominent masters are prone to be in silence. And not only silence of talking, but in activities and things, because whatever it is, is what is, you know, and they're not seeking anything. Everything is coming to them and they're fascinated with it, right? So it's a spectrum and we're all traveling that spectrum. I'm only pointing out the, the extremes of the spectrum. The, the idea is not to become Brahmana Maharshi or Bodhidharma or Jesus or whatever. Well, Jesus liked more activities. <laughs> um, in any case, we may only say that you correctly surmise the paramount import of the magical personality. Mm. It's important to empower, and this is what I said. I won't go into this because um, I need to give context to what is invoking your higher self, which is again, part of the direct path of becoming the creator. Accepting yourself basically is that part, but I won't go into that. This is a study in itself. With the appropriate emotional will, power, polarity, and purity, work may be done with or without proper sound vibration complexes. Basically, with the appropriate emotional will, right, polarity, and purity, you, that's all you, work may be done with or without proper uh, muttering of words, rituals, and so on. However, there is no need for the blunt instrument when the scalpel is available. If you have the scalpel, use it. Don't use the blunt one. Whatever you, whatever that rings true to you. All right. Next question. Don says, I assume that the reason that the rituals that have been used previously are of effect is that are of effect. Yeah, sometimes I, I can read this or I don't, I don't make sense of it. Let's read it again. I assume that the reason that the rituals that have been used previously are of effect is that uh, there should be a comma there maybe, I don't know, is that these words have built a bias in consciousness of those who have worked in these areas so that those who are of the distortion of mind that we seek will respond to the imprint in consciousness of these series of words. Is this correct? Ra says, this is to a great extent correct. The exception is the sounding of some of what you call your Hebrew and some of what you call your Sanskrit vowels. These sound vibration complexes have power before time and space and represent configurations of light which built all that there is. Wow, this is beautiful and powerful too. All right. Um, even though my reading of Don's question was um, mediocre, <laughs> what Don is trying to say here is uh, that he believes that the effect that these rituals have is because we have built a bias in consciousness. Like I said already, there is a, a bias is a predisposition, a desire, um, a connotation that we have already. I've spoken about this with certain words like uh, the N-word and the C-word here in the United States. Nobody dares say them, nor will I, because I will be inviting that, right? And so there, just like that, there is um, any sort of connotation that we give to words. And when we have used them in the past for, I don't know, Michael, Michael doesn't have in and of itself, in the sound itself, it's just very 
whatever, Michael, have, has nothing to the vibration to it. But we have ascribed meaning to that, just like the N-word. There's nothing really terrible about it. You can say it to anybody in the world, nobody would care. has nothing, right? But we ascribe that. Now, on the opposite side, first of all, Ra says, yes, you are correct. That's exactly what it is. Um, and Don says that, of course, those who used it, then they will attract that, right? They will um, will respond to the imprinting consciousness of the series of words. Yes, so basically working with words that have power because we have ascribed power to those words, to that uh, vibration complex, as Ra says. The only exception is those of the Hebrew and Sanskrit vowels. Why? Because these vibrations, the vibration of sounds, Brian, I know you're listening, you're going to love this, and I would love to know more about which of these vowels, if, if it's even possible to know. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the muttering of the words here, the, the, the articulation of, of these words, Sanskrit and Hebrew, they have power because, as we'll see, um, they, they, were, they were here before. Right? Before the, um, before the creation, this was, um, it's almost like, all right, let me go to the next question. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to say something that's not going to make sense yet. But question 18, Don says, why do these sounds have this property? Speaking of Hebrew and Sanskrit. Ra says, the correspondence in vibratory complex is mathematical. At this time, we have enough transfer energy for one full query. And we'll get more into the sounds of Sanskrit and Hebrew. But yeah, there's a mathematical relationship in the sounds of Hebrew and Sanskrit, specific words, of course, that have this. And that is um, akin, this is where I wanted to get in the previous question, to say... Hmm, you know, uh, the work of, oh, what's it called? It's not going to come to me. No matter. Um, when, when you sound music or whatever into a plate that is sensitive enough to receive the, the waves, and then you see the sound, the sound creates these waves and it shapes the sand into specific geometric forms. Uh, uh, Mr. Emoto, Japanese um, man who did the investigation on water, he's known for that. Um, so look him up. Mr. Emoto, E-M-O-T-O. -O. Um, I think it's his last name. He, he, he saw this also with voice your own voice, but you see, if you say love or hate, then the water will crystallize when it freezes into distinct shapes. Those who are negative, destructive, it's all bleh. Whereas the other ones are beautiful geometric patterns. So the same thing is happening here. All of these things say, I'll give you another thing. Uh, the Icaros, which are sang, sung, sung? Uh, I forget my verbs. 
um, what the shamanic um, South American people sing, these Icaros, they say they learned it in their altered state of consciousness. They say, I mean, they don't mean anything. They mean absolutely nothing in their language, right? Some of them might, but the, the most pure ones, they come from some sort of, I don't know, I was in that vibration and that was the music I was listening to. They're uh, singing that same uh, vibration. Why? Because the universe has laws and the atom, well, all the atoms vibrate at specific um, rates and patterns, you see? So um, that vibration is set before time and space. So let's see what the last question is and we'll finish this session. Don says, how did the users of these sounds, Sanskrit and Hebrew, determine what these sounds were? Ah, history here. Ra says, in the case of the Hebrew, that entity known as Yahweh aided this knowledge through impression upon the material of genetic coding, which became language, as you call it. In the case of Sanskrit, the sound vibrations are pure due to the lack of previous what you call alphabet or letter naming. Thus, the sound vibration complexes seem to fall into place as from the logos. This was a more, shall we say, natural or unaided situation or process. We would at this time make notes of the incident in the previous working where our contact was incorrectly placed for a short period and was then corrected. In the exercise of the fire, you may see the initial spiral clockwise from the green ray energy center through the shoulders and head, then through the elbows, then to the left hand. The channel had been corrected before the remainder of this answer was completed. Okay, so first of all, sorry, I should have read that last paragraph, different from from this one. Um, two different things. First, Ra's answering Don's question. The Hebrews uh, got this knowledge from Yahweh. Let me remind you, this is Yahweh, the confederation entity that aided the population back then. Uh, Yahweh when then uh, was then hijacked by the Orion group to create this sort of uh, distortion that became the elites and so on. Uh, we won't go into that, but um, just the same thing has happened in Egypt, same thing that might have happened in Greece and uh, India, not so much it seems in India, uh, but we do have what apparently is black magic. I don't know anything about it, but I've heard that there is black magic in India and it's not people who work with dark cities, cities, S-I-D-H-I-S cities, magic, powers. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's how they got it, the Hebrews. And this was through impression upon the material of genetic coding, which became language. Maybe the genetics influence how they wanted to talk language. I don't know. I feel very ignorant there, but that's what Ross says. In the case of Sanskrit, the sound vibrations are pure due to the lack of previous alphabet or letter naming. I guess they spoke without some sort of uh, alphabet. Just like I said, the Icaros in um, shamanic cultures uh, across the Americas, all the indigenous people. Um, so that's, um, 
we can ascribe meaning to it because we are logoic creatures but the logos our father the archetypical logos there is also power there and it's it precedes our own just like the galaxy precedes the sun and the grand central sun precedes the galaxy and those are more important not more important uh, they proceed. They have a hierarchy um, of um, even saying that sounds weird. In any case, it's just there is an establishment of what will uh, resound within the logos, right? So if we tap into that, we get that. I think we can create, of course, if I say, I don't know, blue elephants and we all get into blue elephants and everybody is resounding to blue elephant and we love it and we devote our devotion for the creator there then i assure you that it's going to be a beautiful sound vibration blue elephant the whole planet is vibrating to blue elephant but i think there is um a more primordial power in that which is created by the logos as it's supposed to be in any case the next part of the the answer is just correcting previous session when we talked about the healing process, the diagram that I'm not willing to get into, but it's just how the energy moves from the heart all the way to the body and how it moves for healing. I won't get into that. This is the correction for anybody who's interested and want to work with this diagram. There it is. That's all I got today. Conclusions. I talked about the disciplines of personality. I cannot finish this without talking about it again. In my own experience, I have been through the process of this investigation. Let me just recap my own experience. I was always, since I was a child, interested in the nature of reality. Um, church, religion, Catholic religion, where I grew up, as wasn't an answer for me, even though it did, I remember it, it did awaken in me a desire to know God, to worship God. And it was something, it wasn't in the Bible, it wasn't in the, the preacher, it was something in me. Now, that was to be short-lived. <laughs> in terms of two to three years, I discovered science, and science was the ultimate reality to me. So I sort of devoted that passion into science. I, um, I invested that passion into science. Then I realized that science wasn't the only answer. That was three years ago, exactly four years now. My God, time flies. Four years, it's gonna be where I started questioning everything. And I got into the investigation of consciousness. It was the only thing that interested me. You see, of course, you know, with consciousness, you get into plant medicine or altered state of consciousness and breathing techniques and all, all this um, uh, organic uh, investigation of consciousness. Then I, I got into the academics and then I got into the mystic side of it and then into uh, practices and so on. And all of this left me with, okay, how do I condense all of this? The law of one appeared and it still is in my life. It's a study in and of its own. It's a beautiful study. It's not something that is going to enlighten you or anything. And I got into Buddhism, of course, which is my 
my second biggest influence or parallel is not even second one 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 and one and through that I um, I just realized that oh so I don't need anything all I need is to get really curious about who am I that led me eventually to the right path which is Ramana Maharshi's method of self-investigation or uh, self-inquiry well what I discovered was in my own experience who am I or the feeling when I investigate that and that feeling is the basis of everything again this is my bias it's my predilection it's not the way it's just how I see it those are the disciplines of the personality as I live them okay I can tell you from my own experience that this is how I live them. I know the process of knowing yourself. You can never answer that question. You have no idea who you are. And that reveals the essence of who you are. You are no thing, not nothing. You are no thing. You are that which cannot know. Let me give you an example. The eye cannot see itself because the eye is created for seeing. You cannot know yourself because you are that knowing aspect of reality. <laughs> you see, so you know yourself. Once you know that, accept that. If you can accept that, and that is the accepting uh, process is, why cannot, why can't you accept that? Because you already have a predisposed self that we call the separate self. That's fine. As more as you give attention to this one self that you know for sure you are, and you see the unreality of this apparent self, which is the separate one, it starts dissolving. See, like the blue elephant already dissolved from your mind, see, <laughs> because you don't pay attention to it. Um, but <laughs> you see, it's the same process. That is becoming the creator. And it happens at any moment. That meditation is that. Meditation is becoming the creator, becoming the unknown. I have no idea what's happening. I have no idea because I don't know who I am. And then you get into this and this, this is the mystical reality. <laughs> it's not, whoa, lights and suns and entities and all. These are all aspects of a creator enjoying, celebrating reality. You see, it's you. <laughs> it's you who is the center of everything. Um, so if you get into that, uh, that will liberate you. That truly does. It sets you free completely. So again, I am shamelessly putting my plug again. The Direct Path is a course that I recorded because I, I'm really bad at marketing. I don't know how else to give you this. So I have that course there. If you're also interested in working with me, I, um, I really don't know. I think I still have, um, I may have my calendar open. Check it out. If it's here, it's here. If not, get in touch with me. Tell me, I want to work with you. It's not so difficult. Uh, find me in social media, Instagram and so on. But other than that, I I currently have nothing else. I, I hope Patreon, hey, Patreon is there. Um, you can, people who contact me there, of course, I mean, you are my patrons. I need to talk to you. So, uh, yes, and I want to, to create more of this group and community. So, yeah, get in there. We'll see what we do. If I get enough people there, we'll start making calls and talk about it. I would love to do that.
but um, yeah, I, I am bad at this marketing thing. I'll get better and I'll offer you better things. But for now, that's all I got. Thank you so much again for listening to this. Nothing else to say, but session 75 is on the horizon and book four as well. Session 75, I think is the last one before we get into book four. Big changes, new year. Let's get to it. Have fun, take care, and I'll see you in session 75.